Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Good morning. Welcome to the Vince Coakley Radio Program. Glad you are back with us. A lot to talk about. A very busy news day developing out there. Just some of the things we will delve into during the course of the broadcast. That truce in the Middle East between Hamas and Israel gets an extension. A good sign for the prospects of getting more hostages released. This is certainly some good news. We will also talk about something I think a lot of people would like to say to people who set out to destroy them. I'm not encouraging this, but you'll hear what a billionaire had to say for the people trying to take down his company. And that is coming up a little bit later on. We told you the other day about Charlie Munger. He's the guy who is the number two person to Warren Buffett. He has some really good rules for career happiness. And I think one of the worst things in the world to experience is not just dissatisfaction, but just a sense of dread about going to work day in and day out. Is that you? Maybe some of the counsel from Charlie Munger will be helpful for you. We will delve into that a little bit later on in the broadcast. A court is ordering the Biden administration to disclose something they may not want to disclose where some of the money from this administration is going. And the administration continues to push something I told you, I warned you, this was going to happen. They're still promoting the same so-called peace plan because they're absolute morons who think somehow... What has been tried before is going to work this time. We'll talk about this. And on the culture front, a really bizarre performance at Rosalind Carter's funeral. It's a song that a lot of people, you know, just to preview what I will talk about with this story. I think one of the most dangerous things, it's like everything else. It's kind of like the devil. You know, the, the stereotypical image of the devil is he's, he's, you know, this red creature. He's got pitchfork, horns, and a tail. That's the devil. We all know better. Depending on what you're looking for, the devil can be a very, very gorgeous woman. It can be a very attractive man. Seductive. That's the goal. And you know, the same thing happens with music. Sometimes with music, you can serve up the most damnable things. We're going to tell you about one of the most disgusting songs on the planet that was actually performed at Rosalind Carter's funeral. And I say this as a person who heard this song a jazz version of this song just a few weeks ago, and I thought, boy, this really sounds good. And then I was listening to the lyrics, and I thought, oh my goodness, 
This is straight out of the pit of hell. Not something that should be sung at the funeral for a Christian woman. We'll talk about this a little bit later on. I want to begin close to home. What's one of our biggest problems? You know, I have this conversation all the time with people about the wonders and the the uh, attractiveness of the city of Charlotte and this region. This is always combined with concern about the future. Because one of the things that's in the back of my mind when I think about the growth of Charlotte, the explosive growth, I think about Atlanta. And I think to myself, God forbid that we ever become that. One of the major reasons that I very much dread Atlanta, and frankly have not been in years in a car anyway, I've been through the airport, but I'm not driving down there. I mean, it takes forever. I remember, I think it was uh, one of the last times I went down there, it was, I think I was still in TV, which was, what, over 10 years ago, 12 years ago? And I remember the last, what, just few miles of our trip took like well over an hour. We were already in the Atlanta area. Nonetheless, some good news to report. For those of you in the Lake Norman area or go through that area, Charlotte Observer reports state highway officials unveiled a $14.6 million plan to relieve notorious bottlenecks off of Lake Norman Interstate 77 Interchange. Caton Construction Group out of Charlottesville, Virginia is going to build two roundabouts near the intersection of Catawba Avenue and U.S. 21 off exit 28 in Cornelius. The intersection experiences routine congestion and high traffic volume. With I-77 located just west of the intersection, traffic frequently backs up to the Catawba Avenue interchange, compounding travel conditions. What will happen here? The construction, one of the roundabouts on US-21 North of the Catawba Avenue intersection. Crews will build the other roundabout just to the south of the intersection, eliminating the need for left turns. A driver turning left from Catawba Avenue to US-21, for example, would turn right and make a U-turn in one of the roundabouts. The driver would then continue straight through Catawba Avenue to US-21. Sounds like a great plan, doesn't it? The benefits are improved safety and a less congested ride through that area. Now, this work is expected to start as early as mid-March 2024. That's just a few months from now. It amazes me how long these projects take. It's supposed to be completed by winter of 2027. So that's certainly some good news for those of you who are really over (laughs) the traffic issues up in the Lake Norman area. This is just one of those where we see a solution in sight. That's a good thing. How many times have you heard me on this broadcast talk about how our educational system needs a complete overhaul from top to bottom, whether it's K through 12 or higher education, I think the entire system's obsolete. 
obsolete and unnecessary. I really think we've gotten to the point where it's time for some re-envisioning of education. What does it really look like? I mean, I like to see a couple of things go on. One of them is let's redo the entire educational system. What do children really need to learn? And I think a significant part of this is taking out all of the propaganda, all of the social engineering, get back to the basics, focus on practical skills and knowledge. It's really not that complicated at all. In higher education, I would favor getting rid of a lot of these general requirements that just burn a whole lot of time and frankly folks are not going to use this stuff ever again see i think this is just my view you can correct me if i'm wrong i think much of what we're doing in higher education especially is not for the students it's for the system whether it's to provide jobs for professors or just the whole infrastructure it's a money-making machine. I mean, after all, how else are you going to afford these very high-priced football coaches, basketball coaches? <laughs> Coming up, we're going to talk about what has happened to the college degree. Very interesting story reported by the UK Daily Mail. I think this is a positive development as people have finally recognized, just because you have a college degree, it does not make you qualified for a position. And this creates opportunity for a lot of people out there. We're going to talk about this and much more as we continue our Thursday edition of the Vince Coakley Radio Program. WBT proud to present the 30th annual Hancock's Bikes for Kids Bike Drive, presented by Blue Cross and Blue Shield of North Carolina. It's coming up Friday, December 8th at WBT. This year, our friends at Woody's Auto Service generously made their 14 Charlotte area locations available as bike drop-off centers, making it even easier for your generous donation of a new bike to reach a kid in need this Christmas. Visit WBT.com for details and... Woody's Auto Service Locations. If you would like to join the conversation here, our phone number 704-570-1110, 704-570-1110. Forgive me if I've already shared this story with you about my personal experience. I absolutely hated school. I'm just being honest about this. I'm probably not unlike uh, most young men, especially hyperactive young men. I had an interesting experience in, I think the year was 1985. I hated school. I was only there because I felt like I had to be there. I'm, I'll just put it that way. That same year, I did an internship at a television station. I actually went out and a couple of my stories aired on television. It was really cool experience to have that happen for the very first time. And the irony of this is 
after I came back from that experience, I had even less interest in school. I was just burned out. I didn't want to be there. So I bombed out. And it was interesting to me because even though I had the skills to do what I was doing, I could put a story together. I couldn't get hired by a television station to be a news reporter because everybody wanted a college degree. Even though I had the skills, then I could make the case I had the same, you know, there, yeah, there were some skills I did pick up in college that augmented my skills that I already had. But those could have been condensed. There was no need for me to go to school for four years for me to do what I did. It really wasn't necessary. Nonetheless, I did go back to school. I finished, made the dean's list every time when I returned, and ultimately started working at a television station in Kentucky. Point of all this that I'm making is I very much believe that at the stage where I was, I could have very easily gone right into the marketplace as a reporter without all the rigmarole. Now, fortunately, the cost of education was very inexpensive. I remember, you know, especially since I dropped out, my dad said, if you go back to school, you're going to pay for it yourself. And I did. The amazing thing is, I, I, I know I'm going to make you sick when I tell you how much I paid per semester. It was about six, seven, six or seven hundred dollars a semester. <laughs> Bernie, Bernie, go ahead. You you can lament oh, before fence. our radio audience. Well, I uh, I went to college. I actually started at Western Carolina, but uh, had a little too much fun in college, so I came back home and. Uh, went to Central Piedmont, but my wife accrued some college debt. And man, I got to tell you, over four years, I mean, it's insane the amount of debt oh, that you can accrue nowadays. Um, and that's not even like, you know, she's not in med school or anything. She was a nutrition major. <laughs> so I can't imagine what some people are dealing with with the student loan debt. But that, that's crazy. $600 for a semester. See, this tells you, this tells you how much the price of education has gone way up. Mm-hmm way out of touch with inflation or anything that makes any sense. And and I've talked about this before on this broadcast. The two things where there's out-of-control spending are the things the federal government meddles with. What are they? Higher education, and the other one is health care. You take the federal government out of both of these areas, and I guarantee you, these costs will settle into reasonable levels. I'm convinced of that. But as long as the federal government, like with education, just keeps pouring money in the form of loans and grants and all this stuff, as long as the money keeps flowing, um, you know, these universities, they're thrilled to death because they can just keep building, they can keep spending, they can keep hiring, they can keep building these monuments to each other because that's really what's going on here. This is really about them. It's not about your kids. This is not about building an educational legacy for tomorrow. This is, like so many things, it is something that is, frankly, out of control. And if you have the federal government get out, 
And then you have these schools. See, you know how you, let me tell you the two definitions of making college affordable. The Democrat way of making college affordable is to make more loans available. That's the Democrat way. You want to know my way of making college affordable? Get the federal government out. Get rid of all the loans and make these schools start start competing with each other on price and quality of the education they provide. That's going to cause the prices to come down. Right now, there's no incentive to lower anything because the government will just keep raising and raising and raising the amounts of money that they will pay into these schools. It's really that simple. Anyway, coming up, we'll talk about this trend that's happening in major companies. They are no longer on the college education bandwagon. We'll tell you who we're talking about and how far-reaching this is as we continue our broadcast of the Vince Coakley Radio Program. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Back on the Vince Coakley Radio Program. And Bernie, you had a caller a few minutes ago uh, telling some pretty interesting information. Uh, what was that exactly? Yes, yeah, Stephanie called in and she said that there are actually three schools that do the $500 per semester tuition in North Carolina, for obviously for in-state tuition. Uh, Elizabeth City State is one, uh, Pembroke, UNC Pembroke, and then Western Carolina is also another one. Okay. Yeah. That is pretty awesome. So good to know. So, yes, if you're in a place you're concerned about avoiding college debts, these sound like some really good options. You know, and one of the things I would be very quick to add, those of you who are concerned about the, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Uh, You're trying to find some big name school. Forget about it. You know, yeah, I know there are potential connections that can be made, that sort of thing. If you're going to look for a college degree, if businesses are looking for a college degree, most of the time they don't care where it's from. They really don't. So keep that in mind. So here's the story in the UK Daily Mail. How the college degree lost its value. Nearly half of U.S. companies plan to axe bachelor's degree requirements after Walmart, Accenture, And IBM led the charge. 45% of companies plan to eliminate bachelor degree requirements. 55% said they'd already eliminated bachelor degree requirements in 2023. This is a trend, folks. This is clearly... This is clearly not going away. So nearly half U.S. companies intend to eliminate bachelor's degree requirements for some job positions next year. This is a big deal. We mentioned Walmart, IBM, Accenture, Bank of America, Google announcing similar plans. And the survey found the same employers that have already eliminated bachelor degree requirements were far more likely to continue doing so. 
They're finding this is working. In October, Walmart eliminated college degrees as a requirement for hundreds of its corporate roles, saying it would get rid of unnecessary barriers that prevent career advancement. For example, Accenture launched an apprenticeship program in 2016, through which it had since hired 1,200 people. See, this is something I remember as a young man. This is what I envisioned. I thought, can we go back to the days of apprenticeships? That's really the best way to learn. Just have people connect with people. See, this goes back to what I've said before about the importance of relationship. So rather than, and, and I'm not demeaning being a teacher or a professor or anything like that, there's only so many quality, in-depth relationships you can have in that kind of position. It's the same thing I've said about the church. The truth of the matter is, a pastor cannot disciple a congregation. The best connections are one-on-one connections, and it's the same thing here. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking, for instance, because we're going to talk about this later on. I've already told you the story of Charlie Munger, the number two man to Warren Buffett. Imagine if you take a young man out of high school who's interested and has the skills to do business. What if rather than throwing him into some school for four years and then accumulating a whole lot of debt, how about you have Charlie Munger as your mentor? Somebody like him. And this is a man, you know, he knows he's not going to be around forever. He's going to want to pour everything he can into that young man. And help him to be the best that he can be. I think that's the way to go. Here's an example of industries that are dropping the college degree requirement. Information services, 72%. Software, 62%. Finance and insurance, 61%. Construction, 55%. Healthcare and social assistance, 42%. Education, 35%. Some 80% of those people join the company without a four-year degree. The company that I'm mentioning here is Accenture. This is pretty cool stuff. 80% of those people join the company without a four-year degree. Earlier this year, the company expanded the program with the goal of filling 20% of its U.S. entry-level roles. Jimmy Etheridge told the outlet CNBC, he's from Accenture, the CEO, a person's educational credentials are not the only indicators of success. So we advanced our approach to hiring to focus on skills, experiences, and potential. This is awesome stuff. I'd love to get your thoughts on this. We're going to have more about this particular angle and how companies are moving away from this focus on just looking for a degree. 
Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Back on the Vince Coakley Radio Program, we're talking about the trend in corporate America moving away from college education and... This trend shows no sign of letting up at all. Weighing in on this, we have Walt joining us out of Columbia. Good morning, Walt. Hey, Vince. Um, I spent several years in the Army in Germany, and uh, they have a program over there called Gymnasium. If you don't score high enough on the SAT to go on to uh, like a four-year degree or a master's or doctorate or whatever, you can go into this program called gymnasium and they pay you to go to school you spend four hours a day in school and then you spend four hours a day uh working for the host uh, company and they teach you a trade like say you're going to become a forklift driver or a machinist or a pharmacy tech but you don't have to pay for any of this uh they have socialized education over there and the program works works incredibly well uh from from k through 12 they, they don't have 12. they got nine years of uh, regular school. And then they go on to college, or they go into the gymnasium program. And uh, I've got friends of mine that are carpenters over there. I've been back several times. Uh, uh, a friend of mine is a chef, and he owns his own guest house now. Um, I think it's great, and I think it would work here. We have kind of like a socialized education program, but once you get past 12th grade, it turns into a business for these colleges and they just make so much money off of these kids it's just amazing but yeah and not only do they make and not only are they making money off of these kids so many of these kids now are finding they don't have skills that they need to be able to make it in the corporate world or wherever um, well, look, they, yeah. they dumb, in my opinion they dumbed down education a long time ago <laughs> my brother, yes he, my brother wanted to get a master's and uh he said, look, you know, just go on and, and go to a junior college because it's the same thing as graduating from high school. I said, what are you talking about? He said, well, my bachelor's degree is only worth like a two-year degree. He said, I didn't learn anything more in the last few years of my four-year degree that I hadn't already learned in the first two yep, years. Yep, I'm with said, you. You're just going to waste. I'm sorry, what? No, go right ahead. You're preaching to the choir. Keep preaching. Yeah, uh, you know, you don't gain any more knowledge in your last uh, two years of college, as far as he was concerned. And uh, he felt like he just wasted his money. Uh, he went on and got a, uh, a job at uh, General Dynamics, which paid him a lot of money. He worked in, uh, with missiles, and uh, it, he, he's, he's retired now, and he lives a great life. But I'll tell you right now, man. Uh, I got a two-year degree, and and uh, I'm very happy with it. it. It's taken me a long way. What's your degree in, by the way? I'm curious. HVAC and commercial residential electrical. <laughs> okay. Okay. That's a hot area, and you can make some really good money doing that, as you can probably tell us better than I, better than I can tell people, right? <laughs> yeah, but you better be ready to work some long hours and some bad conditions at three o'clock in the morning when you get a call hey uh you know and it's 34 degrees and raining and the lady's going i don't have any heat 
<laughs> yep, I hear you. Um, it's um, it's certainly a labor of love for somebody like you, who clearly has this and and views this as a calling. So, hey, very much appreciate your call out of Columbia. Thanks very much for weighing in, Walt. I mean, this uh, he's he's made some great points here. You know, I I don't promote socialism. And yeah, at the same time, if you're going to throw money at something. Why don't you at least throw throw money at something that works? I, I think we've reached a point where I think we've all recognized this is not working. I mentioned Walmart. Eliminating college degrees as a requirement for hundreds of its corporate roles, saying it would get rid of unnecessary barriers that prevent career advancement. It said job applicants would start seeing updated job descriptions next year. In particular... It will waive the need for a university degree if candidates can show they have gained the necessary skills through alternative prior experience. A blog post from the retailer said, while degrees should be a part of the equation, in some cases even required, there are many roles where a degree is simply unnecessary, including at corporate headquarters. While some companies appear to be spearheading the movement, those that haven't made changes thus far appear less likely to do so in the future. Among the companies that didn't eliminate the bachelor's degree requirements in 2023, only 9% said they anticipate doing so next year. So some of these companies that have dug in, they are digging in pretty deep and they're staying entrenched in their position for higher education. Accenture launched an apprenticeship program in 2016, has since hired 1,200 people, 80% of whom joined without a degree. As part of the survey, employees were asked what types of positions they were most likely to eliminate degree requirements for. Among the 55% who eliminated bachelor's degree requirements, 70% did so for entry-level roles, 61 for mid-level roles, 45% for senior roles. That's a big deal. And of the 95% of employers who have bachelor's degree requirements, 24% require those degrees for three-quarters of their jobs, 27% they require degree for about half of their positions. A report published by the Burning Glass Institute last year described the growing trend of cutting degrees as a requirement as an essential step in reducing inequity in the American labor market. So there's always some social element to this still to come in the broadcast the truce is extended the good news of this more hostages will be free we'll talk about this we'll also find out about the biden administration they will be forced to disclose how they are using some of your tax dollars and yes it's happened these are folks who do not learn even from <laughs> recent history we'll tell you what they're pushing for as a solution to the whole mid-east issue that's and therapeutic thursday straight ahead on the vince coakley radio program Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you.
So I've got to tell you about an interesting breaking news story that's just come across here a few minutes ago. We're going to get to this in just a few minutes, but I let me just give you a preview. It's kind of interesting to me that there are people who just do not get it. They don't. They continue to take these radical positions. They put these crazy radical people on cable television. And one by one, we've watched as some of these folks have just disappeared. And they have been removed because ultimately people are, they're not buying what these radicals are selling. We're going to talk about this coming up in just a few minutes for Therapeutic Thursday. Let's talk about this whole scene of employment and workplace because we've talked about this in the context of college education. How about discussing this in the context of where many of us are? Do you remember soon after we had the end of all the lockdowns, we had a lot of people decide they didn't want to continue the jobs they were in? It was like they had some sort of great awakening and realized, you know what? I hate my job. I'm going to do something else. I'm going to start my own business. Or I'm going to go do something that I really want to do. Well, we're going to put a little more fuel on that fire today. I told you the other day, and the more I read about this guy, the more I like. Because I really think he had a lot of good things going for him. The kind of person who clearly had the skills, but he also had the character. Both of these things are important because very often the character part gets lost. Business Insider has a story on Charlie Munger. He's the number two guy to Warren Buffett who passed away the ripe age of 99. Charlie Munger had three basic rules for career happiness. Boy, this first one is a whopper. One of them, don't work for anyone you don't respect. Oh my goodness, this is a tough one. You ever find yourself in that kind of workplace where you... (laughs) I'm having thoughts now of a conversation I had with... A friend of mine, we used to work in the same place years ago. We got together, um, sadly, after a visitation for some a mutual friend who had passed away. And we were just talking about how our lives have changed since we were in this particular workplace. Didn't spend a lot of time talking about this, but it's kind of interesting because I think this first rule certainly applies. Don't work for anyone you don't respect. Charlie Munger said he had three basic rules for career satisfaction. One included not working for anyone you don't respect. This is a column they wrote for CNBC. Three basic rules for career satisfaction. And from what we understand, these were among his final writings. One of the legendary investors' rules, don't work for anyone you do not respect and admire. You know, I think one of the greatest experiences is to connect with somebody that you really want to be like them. 
I work in an industry, to be honest with you, I'm just being very straightforward here, where I worked with people that I, and for people that I just honestly did not ever want to become. You know, I, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not going to say what I would tell people, that if I ever turned into one of these people, <laughs> what I told people to do. This column was published on Wednesday. You particularly want to avoid working directly under somebody you don't admire and don't want to be like. It's dangerous. Wow. Oh, boy, do I get this. He added, generally, your outcome in life will be more satisfactory if you work under people whom you correctly admire. Munger said in the column, he navigated through his career by identifying people I admired and by maneuvering, mostly without criticizing anybody. So that I was usually working under the right sort of people. This is what I, I love this. You don't have to go around being nasty and mean-spirited and angry and bitter. You just make good choices. And if you have an atmosphere that you don't particularly care for, just, just get away from it. I, I know this all sounds very simple, doesn't it? it? It's not. I know it's not very easy to do, and some situations require some hard choices. Munger continued, A lot of employers will permit that if you're shrewd enough to work it out with some tact, as far as who you work with. Munger's other two rules for career happiness, don't sell anything you wouldn't buy yourself. Oh, wow. My goodness. And work only with people you enjoy. <laughs> I've got to be honest with you. For probably most of us, these are some tough rules. Because there are so many workplaces, you, you just have very little control. And and frankly, sometimes you just work with... I mean, I, I have conversations with people all the time about their workplaces. And some of them work with some absolute morons. I mean, they're just terrible. <laughs> if at all feasible, you want to maneuver yourself into doing something in which you have an intense interest alongside people whose company you enjoy. Munger wrote in the column that those three rules always helped him. He believed they can help any young person evaluating a career decision. He said even though meeting all three is nearly impossible, you should try. By the way, Munger met Warren Buffett at a dinner party in their hometown of Omaha, Nebraska, 1959, ultimately leading Munger to join Berkshire Hathaway back in 1978. He said he achieved them all. I've been incredibly fortunate in my life when it comes to these basic rules. I had all three. And I think that's the key thing here. You may have difficulty with one or two of these things, but, but do what you can. That's really the key here. Don't focus on the things that you can't do. Focus on what you can do. That's very important. So here they are again. Don't work for anyone you don't respect. Don't sell anything you wouldn't buy yourself. And work only with people you enjoy. I hope this is helpful for our Therapeutic Thursday.
got to hear some vocals on this one. Oh. Oh, well. We won't hear it. You know what this song is. It's Earth, Wind, and Fire. Bernie and I were just talking about Earth, Wind, and Fire. By the way, I was telling him about uh, this version of the song by Earth, Wind, and Fire. I, I don't know, maybe a year or two ago? I did not know this. But Earth, Wind, and Fire did not put that song out first. It was first put out by the Beatles. And I'm just going to be blunt. It's horrible. It's horrible. When I heard it the first time, I thought, what is this? And I realized they originated that song. Earth, Wind, and Fire just blew it away. They got a hold of that thing, brought in all the brass. Oh, my goodness. Anyway, I digress. <laughs> Let me tell you what's going on at MSNBC. This is a breaking news story. MSNBC is canceling one of its biggest lightning rods. I've never seen this guy before. Well, I've probably seen him. I just didn't. I just don't care about this stuff. I think this guy's name is Mehdi Hassan. His show is canceled. Now he's going to be a fill-in host and analyst. Sunday night show. And in his place... Who is this? Eamon Moyeldon. His show is going to be expanded to two hours. So that's the new development. They're going to launch a new weekend panel show, including Simone Sanders, Alicia Menendez, and Michael Steele. So that sounds really exciting. I don't know. Michael Steele. I don't know where this guy went. I mean, he's way out there. Hassan has come under fire for his comments most recently as takes on the Israeli-Hamas war. Hassan has frequently blamed Israel for the rise of Hamas. Back in 2009, Hassan called non-Muslims animals and compared homosexuals to pedophiles and sexual deviants. Just recently, Hassan tried to diminish the magnitude of 9-11 terrorist attacks by needlessly equating the overthrow of the Chilean government in 1973 to the deadly attacks, garnering backlash. What a stupid comment. I mean, some people, I mean, I get sometimes you try to make a point with something. That's, to call that a reach. I mean, that's, <laughs> oh my goodness. That's a profound understatement. The truce in Gaza has been extended. Discussions over remaining Hamas captives, it's getting tougher now. This last-minute deal extends the ceasefire in Gaza another day, but any further renewal of the deal that has seen dozens of hostages and prisoners released could prove more daunting since Hamas is expected to set a higher price for many of the remaining captives. Unfortunately, they hold all the cards here, let's be honest. International pressure is mounted for the truce to continue as long as possible after nearly eight weeks of Israeli bombardment, a ground campaign in Gaza that's killed thousands of Palestinians, uprooted more than three-quarters of the population of 2.3 million, and led to a humanitarian crisis. Israel has vowed to resume its offensive once the ceasefire expires. The talks appear to be growing tougher, with Hamas having already freed most of the women and children kidnapped. 
The militants are expected to make greater demands in return for freeing scores of civilian men and soldiers. So we hope, as difficult as this process is, that there will be some success here in getting all of these folks free who are in captivity and have been since October 7th. The Trump administration alumni at American First Legal have scored a pretty big win in court. They're representing Representative Ronnie Jackson of Texas. This is a court order forcing the Biden administration to disclose how American taxpayer money is funding Hamas terrorists at war with Israel. I think this would be this would be good to know, don't you? Mr. Jackson represents the 13th Congressional District of Texas in the northern part of the Lone Star State. He's a retired Rear Admiral in the U.S. Navy and a doctor who served as White House physician for Presidents George W. Bush, Barack Obama, and Donald Trump. Jackson's lawsuit focuses on the so-called pay-to-slay program. Have you heard about this? This is, this is disgusting. What's more disgusting is what you're about to hear. The pay-to-slay program in which the Palestinian Authority pays the families of terrorists who kill civilians, both Israelis and others. His lawsuit brought under the Taylor Force Act, named after an American soldier killed by one such terrorist, that soldier's parents are co-plaintiffs alongside Jackson in the lawsuit, which was originally filed December 2022, long before the war started with Hamas, October 7th. Trump signed the Taylor Force Act into law 2018 in that statute. Congress found that the Palestinian Authority's practice of paying salaries to terrorists serving in Israeli prisons, as well as to the families of deceased terrorists, is an incentive to commit acts of terror. Well, duh! The motion prompted by a document that surfaced as part of a Freedom of Information Act production referencing an application to spend taxpayer money. The production includes emails and a license application to the Office of Foreign Asset Control seeking authorization to conduct official United States government activities in the West Bank and Gaza that might otherwise be prohibited by counterterrorism sanctions regulations. Some of the money from these payments inevitably goes to members of various terrorist groups, including Hamas. Under the Taylor Force Act, the Palestinian Authority forfeits eligibility for U.S. foreign aid if it continues to pay to slay. The lawsuit alleges Joe Biden and Anthony Blinken announced significant increases in economic support fund assistance from $75 million to $219 million for assistance that directly benefits the Palestinian Authority by relieving it of its civic and governance obligations. I, I, I'm not going to share any more of this story. This is making me so mad. I, I, I don't like to throw the word treason around thoughtlessly. This is disgusting. And if it is found that we are sending money See, I do not favor sending a dime to the Palestinian Authority. Not a darn dime. See, I went back to the time when I was in television. 
Remember, there was there was this trial for people convicted of selling. I think they were selling cigarettes and using the money to fund Hamas. See, if you do that, you can go to prison. Our government does this. They're eligible for peace awards. Much more as we continue the Vince Coakley radio program still to come. We'll tell you another area where this administration is screwing up again. They haven't learned. We'll talk about what they're looking for in diplomacy as we continue our broadcast. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Okay, let's assume that you're completely naive, completely ignorant. You know absolutely nothing about foreign policy, about Israel, about Hamas. And you're dropped down here on planet Earth. And your job is just observe the Middle East, the current situation, for a few months. You're briefed on the state of affairs, the way things are set up now with some semblance of a government, some semblance of a government in place for Palestinians. And you see these entities like Hamas, Hezbollah, they're basically using peacetime to arm themselves. Then you see October 7th, the savagery, the brutality. You know what Hamas has done, what they have done, how they have exploited this situation. What would you say to someone who came along and said, you know, what we need is a two-state solution. <laughs> you know, I'm just going to be blunt with you. I'm not a violent person. But a person who suggests this deserves a slap. And you know what word goes in front of it. Despite the recent October 7th massacre of Israeli citizens, the overwhelming Palestinian support for it, reported by Breitbart, the largely failed two-state solution for solving the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, vehemently rejected by both sides, still being pushed by U.S. President Joe Biden, who insists it's the only way to ensure long-term security for both Israelis and Palestinians in a new post-Hamas Gaza. See... Let me just put this in, in graphic terms for you. How many of you would like to set up? How would you like if, I don't know, the Taliban set up shop right across your border? 
And to drive this home, you're a government official. How would you like if Hamas set up shop right next door to you? Next door to the White House. See, these, these folks don't care because they don't have to live with their stupid diplomacy. They're trying to make other people accept what they would never accept in their own lives. The people against borders. They sure do have great security systems. They have great security. They have great walls for their own lives. You, on the other hand, you're subject to whatever crosses the border. The two-state solution largely seen as a staple of foreign policy by U.S. administrations prior to President Donald Trump has been lambasted by many critics as being a colossal failure that simply does not take into account facts on the ground. Facts are stubborn things, aren't they? Amidst renewed demands for Palestinian statehood emerging from Palestinian-American groups, Muslim advocacy organizations, and some Democrats, President Biden posted a message declaring his continued determination since the October 7th massacre to implement a two-state solution despite the lack of a viable peace partner. Biden wrote on Sunday, a two-state solution is the only way to guarantee the long-term security of both the Israeli and Palestinian people to make sure Israelis and Palestinians alike can live in equal measures of freedom and dignity. He cannot be this stupid to believe this claptrap. He really cannot. And again, I remind you, the truth of the matter is it really doesn't matter whether he believes it or not because what he's trying to do is to foist this on everybody else. Predictably, Republicans not impressed. Marsha Blackburn from Tennessee. Hamas did not allow freedom and dignity as they slaughtered innocent civilians and took hostages October 7th. The only way to guarantee the security of Israel, Israelis and Palestinians, is to eliminate Hamas. Senator Mike Lee of Utah. President Biden just plugged a two-state solution. Tone deaf. Gaza's had a two-state solution on the table since 2005 and defiantly refused to take it. See, this is the other side. I had this debate with somebody last night. was telling me, well, they need their own state. They've rejected this. You have to understand this is not about them having their own state and their own territory. What it's about is no Israel. And this is the point Mike Lee makes. You can't have a two-state solution where one party is unwilling to recognize the other's right to exist. Josh Hammer, syndicated columnist. You are delusional. The so-called two-state solution, which calls for the creation of Palestinian state, ostensibly on the West Bank, Gaza Strip, and some eastern sections of Jerusalem, in exchange for the Palestinian Authority ending its conflict with Israel and living at peace with the Jewish state, has long proved to be an abject failure. Everybody knows this, except for the morons in the White House and the State Department. It's crazy. Still to come, a very strong message from Elon Musk and the folks determined to take down X, also formerly known as Twitter.
We'll talk about that much more as we continue our broadcast. Man, this time just absolutely slips by. So many other things that, Lord willing, hopefully we'll get to on tomorrow's broadcast. A couple of things I do want to cover before we go today. One of them, I told you about a story about Elon Musk. You know, I'm... (laughs) There are people I admire... And I don't, again, you can admire somebody without agreeing with everything about them. You know, I'm going to be very clear about that. As you know, there are people who are determined to take him down. They do not want X to succeed. Some advertisers have pulled their advertising. Rolling Stone headline, unhinged Elon Musk tells advertisers, go F yourself. Billionaire said the advertiser Twitter boycott could be the company's downfall during the New York Times Deal Book Summit. His anti Semitic remarks have been at the center of a mass ex- exodus. He told advertisers boycotting the company to go F yourself during the summit yesterday. It's going to kill the company. That will be what bankrupts the company. This is what everybody on earth will know. Don't advertise, Musk said. Times financial columnist Andrew Ross Sorkin asked, you don't want them to advertise? The ex-CEO promptly answered, no, before continuing. If someone's trying to blackmail me with advertising, blackmail me with money. Go F yourself. Go F yourself. Then adds, Hey, Bob, presumably directed at Bob Auger of Disney, one of the companies who's boycotting X. <laughs> Earlier this month, a report by the watchdog group Media Matters found that ads for brands like Apple, Bravo, Amazon had appeared on X next to white nationalist hashtags. Oh, boy. Following the report, X advertisers Disney, Apple, Lionsgate, Comcast, NBC Universal, and IBM decided to sever ties with the platform. Social media company owned by Musk later sued the media watchdog group for defamation, alleging the nonprofit maliciously tried to drive away advertisers after it published its report. Concern over brand safety on X has spiked after Musk endorsed a post accusing Jewish communities of promoting dialectical hatred against whites okay ah this gets crazier by the moment doesn't it i also want to touch on a couple of other things before we go you've heard about henry kissinger passing away can you believe this guy lived to 100 cbs characterizing him as controversial statesman who influenced U.S. foreign policy for decades. Passing away at the age of 100, Secretary of State and National Security Advisor under Presidents Nixon and Gerald Ford remained a prominent voice on foreign policy issues long after leaving government way back in 1977. He told CBS News weeks before he turned 100, I work about 15 hours a day. Same with confidence. 
world leaders like China's Xi Jinping and Russia's Vladimir Putin would likely take his cause. And this is a man who has kind of a mixed legacy. Some diplomacy that he is recognized for, appropriately so, with China and with Russia. Yet at the same time, other questions about his alleged war crimes for the bombing of Cambodia during the Vietnam War. Mr. Kissinger passing away at the age of 100. Also, I have to tell you about this. If you have an opportunity, read the lyrics to this song, Imagine. It's a song written by John Lennon. Breitbart reports on this. Tricia Yearwood, Garth Brooks, sing Atheist Anthem, Imagine, at devout Christian Rosalind Carter's funeral. It's an odd song to sing at the funeral for a Christian woman. John Lennon's anti-religious left-wing theme song, Imagine. Carter was a devout Southern Baptist Christian. The singers dressed in all black performed an acoustic rendition of the vapid Lennon song, which contains the lyrics, Imagine there is no heaven, no hell below, no hell below us, above us only sky, and imagine no religion too. The pair delivered a nice recitation of the popular left-wing dream tune. But seeing that there's no heaven, no religion, the funeral of a woman who has always been portrayed as devout Christian, kind of strange, isn't it? Song also croons about imagining no countries. Odd at the funeral of a woman who is married to a man who is the leader of his country. Some ex-users also question the sense of choosing Lenin's socialist screed as a send-off for religious first lady. Yearwood and Brooks told the media they got to know the president and Mrs. Carter through their work with the charity Habitat for Humanity. The president, Mrs. Carter, kind of can't say one without the other. They're a really good team. He just shines when she's around. Whatever he's doing on the work site, he makes sure he knows where she is. President Carter always knows she's the boss. She has that quiet southern strength. I admire her so much. That's what Miss Yearwood said. Continuing, getting to work alongside President and Mrs. Carter, one of the reasons she joined the organization, just to observe their work ethic and love and compassion. We're so lucky to get the chance to be a part of that. But we certainly could have done without your song. To be blunt about it, that song, it sucks. It's horrible. Sometime we should go through the lyrics for that song. It's, I was telling you, I heard a jazz version of it. it it's, it's a beautiful sounding song. But these words, they are just absolutely toxic. And, you know, that's fine if you're anti-religious. Go for it. <laughs> that's all the time we have. Thanks very much for joining us. Have yourselves a great day, and God bless you. Adios. Adios.